Hey everyone, it's Maria here. And on behalf of Simon and I, I'd just like to thank you for checking out our podcast. Before we get into things, I just want to let you know that this is only part of our online mini service. To check out the full service and find out more about Everyone Church, head to our website at everyonechurch.com.au. Hope you can check it out and see the full service. But for now, let's get into the podcast. A few weeks ago, we started a series called All Grown Up, and it's all about discipleship and the journey towards spiritual maturity. It's about growing up in God, not just staying immature and basic in our understanding and how we live our lives day to day for Christ and as Christ would, um, but growing up and maturing in Him. And we started off by asking the question, what is discipleship? Because that word's never used in the New Testament. Well, at Everyone Church, when we say the word discipleship, we're talking about the intentional pursuit of spiritual maturity. We're talking about your pursuit and my pursuit, not someone else's uh, pursuit on your behalf, because there's no church program or course or anything like that can force you to grow. You need to make the determination that you want to be all grown up in the Lord, obviously with his help. And and we want to pursue that spiritual maturity. Now, what is spiritual maturity? Well, simply put, it's about being on the journey toward being with Christ forever in heaven, but also being like him on earth. Because salvation, it is a one day thing that one day uh, we we look forward and in hopeful uh, anticipation that we will enter heaven one day and be with God forever. Amen. But also it's an everyday thing that we walk in his power and his goodness in, in becoming more and more like him. And discipleship is really about the everyday Uh, When we enter heaven one day, our discipleship journey is done. We're with God. Amen. But the discipleship is now here on earth every day. And where does it start? Well, it starts by surrendering to God, obviously. And and we read this this scripture uh, almost every week um, of this series, but I just love it. It's one of my favorites. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. The desire... And the power. I love that. God is working in me. That fills me with hope that despite the circumstances, despite uh, even uh, there might be times in my life where I feel like I'm not really growing. No, no. God is working in you. He's doing a work in in you. And it's up to us to surrender ourselves to that work. It's like when we become Christians, when we're born again, we're given a new house, a new inner man, a new inner woman, a new faith house. And it's up to us to furnish that house, to fill that house with things that are going to help us mature. And we read in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 about, it says that you need to supplement your faith because we are, we are saved by faith in, in Jesus, obviously, saved by faith in his name, but we are matured and sanctified with supplements by adding to that faith with knowledge and with, with moral excellence and with the help of others, obviously. It's, it's about adding action to your faith, okay? We can't just think and pray ourselves to maturity. Of course, maturity involves a lot of prayer. Don't, you, don't get me wrong here. But it also requires actions. You know, faith without deeds is dead, it says in the book of James. And in many ways, we pursue maturity not out of fear of what God will do to us because we're saved by faith in Jesus, but more out of concern of what God won't be able to do through us if we stay immature, okay? And I want to know and experience all that God 
has opened up for us in Christ. I hope that you do as well. And last week, uh, we focused on what discipleship looks like day by day. And uh, we discovered that it's not so much what discipleship looks like, but more so who discipleship looks like. And we read in Ephesians chapter 4 about how God gives people's gifts, uh, spiritual gifts to help build up and mature the church and equip the saints for the works of ministry. And all these gifts that God gives are housed and expressed in and through people. And that includes me and you. So God's manifestation of spiritual gifts through people is like God saves people and empowers people and then uses people to help people. Isn't that awesome how God works? And God has put people in your life and my life to help us mature. And the next level of that, obviously, is that God has put people in your life that you are being called to help mature as well. So this discipleship journey is not just about me receiving, but also me passing that on to other people. And the key point from last week is that discipleship is about uh, being in proximity. It takes place in proximity with those people. Uh, it doesn't take place from a distance. Uh, it, God uses the people around you to help achieve his purposes within you. And it's like if you're trying to climb the mountain of maturity, okay, this is our, our good metaphor for this series. We're trying to climb the mountain of maturity. We have all the gear from the Lord. We have all the tools from the Lord. Amen. Uh, but we also need people not to just tell us how to climb the mountain, but people who will climb with us. Good mountain guides, good Sherpas in the Lord. That's what discipleship is about. It's about climbing the mountain of maturity together. And today, as we conclude this series, I want to focus a little bit on that mountain of maturity and this, this imagery, this metaphor that we've been throwing around. And really, as we climb and climb with the help of God and the help of others, the question I want to ask is, what is at the top of the mountain of maturity? What is at the peak? Uh, what is at the summit? And what is the indicator that we have arrived, um, or at least are close to getting there? Now look, there, there's a lot about spiritual maturity that we will never arrive at. It's an ongoing journey until we enter heaven. Uh, we are a work in progress, amen? But there are things in God's word. Uh, there are, uh, things that show us what the end goal looks like, right? And what the end goal is. And there are massive myth truths about what maturity looks like as a Christian. And let me tell you, it's not about platform and influence. There are a lot of people out there with platform and influence who are spiritually immature. Like what does the summit of the mountain of maturity look like? Uh, is it that we get so swept up in his presence that we're just whisked away with him forever? Or is it that we're preaching in front of thousands? Is it that we have stacks of Instagram followers? No, no, there, there are a lot of misconceptions out there about maturity before God. Because it's about fruitfulness before God, not fruitfulness before man. It's about you and God. And maturity in God's eyes he looks at the heart. He does. He doesn't just look at um, your performance. He looks at your heart. It says in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 2, people may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. And if you try to keep up the appearances of maturity, spiritual maturity, look at me, I'm at church, I'm lifting my hands, I take a Bible with me, oh, I'm taking notes, and, and it's not actually happening in your heart, well, you're going to fail one day. 
You're going to fall one day. Those, those masks we put on to show how mature we are. Oh, look, at I'm very, very spiritual. Mate, God sees through that in a moment. He sees your heart, okay? And that's not what we want to be as everyone church. We want people to be open and um, able to be where they're at. And be okay with that. That hey, we're not gonna. Uh, if you're struggling, if you're if you're on your journey, we're not gonna point and poke and prod you and say, hey, where are you? Hey, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. Out of genuine love and care, we want to help each other climb this mountain of maturity. So let's go to our core scripture today in John chapter thirteen. And I don't need to set it up because it sets up itself. Let's start in verse one. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So we see here... This is at the tail end of Jesus' ministry on earth. And the scene is the Last Supper. And he's about to teach his disciples some last truths before he endures the cross. And he is doing it in the presence of even Judas who would betray him. And this is a big deal. This is like the culmination of years of travel and miracles and and grassroots discipleship. uh, Moving from town to town. Like What an amazing, amazing journey that... um, three years would have been. So what do you expect Jesus to say here? You know, um, to, oh man, it's just, there's a lot of weight in this moment. What do you think is worthy of it? What's worthy of this moment in time? And let's look at what Jesus says, or more so what Jesus does. It says in verse four, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. What? (laughs) This sends the disciples on like a massive spin, especially Peter. They're like, what are you doing? Uh, The removal of like outer garments and putting on a towel, like, like engaging in menial service would have been massively frowned upon by Jews and Greeks alike. So it was Jesus yet again breaking through cultural barriers. And here is Jesus, the son of God. It says right there that he knows God has given him all authority. And it's like in the book of John, setting it up. He knows he has all authority. He knows he's come from God. He's going to return to God. And then he removes his robe and starts washing his disciples' feet like acting like a slave? What? Like, and I've heard lots of sermons about this text that, you know, uh, about how the feet are the dirtiest part of the body and, and how Jesus took off his robe, his status, and how the basin is a symbol of this and that. But I'm not here to get caught up in all the symbolism, to be honest. Um, let's just let the text be the text for a moment. And Jesus did a lot of prophetic things in his ministry. Uh, much of what he did had depths and depths of like prophetic um, scriptural fulfillment, okay? Uh, and in this moment, I can't think of anything more like just mind exploding apart from the cross than the creator of the universe washing his disciples' feet. Like, 
What is going on? The one who created feet, washing feet. Why? And why now? Uh, Why at this peak point of his ministry on earth? Well, Jesus tells us why in verse 12. He says this, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So Jesus is setting an example for his disciples. And this example is one of servanthood. Servanthood. Of willingness to kneel and serve. A willingness to cast off entitlement uh, and take on the role of a servant, a menial servant. And this isn't the first time Jesus has brought emphasis to this. It says in Mark chapter 10, verse 42, So Jesus called them, the disciples, together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Whoever wants to be a leader. It's interesting to me because uh, we live in a church culture that is so obsessed with leadership. With leadership development, leadership training, developing leaders. It's like if you go to many churches, the goal for you is to be a leader of some sort, you know. Uh, and, and we have leadership books and leadership podcasts, like a million of them. It's all gearing people towards leadership. And I'm not anti-leadership. Does God use leadership? Of course. Absolutely. Is, is leadership a biblical principle? Yes, of course it is. But if we're not careful, we put a big flag on the top of the mountain of maturity that says leadership. And we start thinking that the peak of being a Christian is to be a leader, a Christian leader. And let's be careful here because we're not here to water down or call metaphors on what Jesus actually said and did. Jesus didn't metaphorically wash his disciples' feet while he was being hosted to a five-star hotel and a private jet. No. He explicitly said, if you want to lead, you must be a servant. And he said, it'll be different amongst you. Is it really different amongst us, really, if our pursuit is leadership? I'll leave that for you to figure out. He said it. He displayed it. So why don't we say it and display it more often? And as we climb this mountain of spiritual maturity, as we pray and surrender and study and engage in discipleship, what's at the top of the mountain? This is the question we're asking today. Uh, Let me tell you, you will not find influence at the top of the mountain of spiritual maturity. You won't find more small groups to run or more people to strategically lead. You will not find a crown at the top of the mountain of spiritual maturity. You will not find a title. You won't even find a temple. What you will find is a towel and a basin. 
you will find as you spiritually mature, Jesus is showing us that the peak of maturity is servanthood. Servanthood. The summit is servanthood. And I'm not talking about fulfilling a Sunday service volunteer position, okay? And uh, we, well, these things are important though, don't, don't get me wrong. And we will need volunteers eventually to help our church run, of course. But before we get there, before we start serving a church service, because we don't have one right now, it's a unique opportunity for you, serve your wife, serve your kids, serve your husband, serve your boss, serve your workplace, serve your neighbors, serve your parents, serve God. And don't do it out of obligation or condemnation. Do it out of love. At the summit of spiritual maturity is love expressing itself through servanthood. That's what's at the peak of maturity. And last week, we spoke about the gifts given to the church and how all these gifted people help equip the church and mature the church. Well, let's see what the Bible says about those gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. When we're talking about the pursuit of spiritual maturity, the mountain of spiritual maturity that we're climbing, at the summit, at the peak, is love expressing itself through servanthood. And if you're looking for a climbing buddy or you're wanting to be one to help people on their journey of discipleship, the key qualification is that you need to be loving. They need to be loving. You can be gifted like crazy, but if you're not loving and willing to serve, it's all worthless. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians. Uh, and everything we have been talking about in this series hinges upon this point of love expressing itself through service. Some, if someone is not loving and willing to serve another, there is no discipleship taking place. Um, discipleship needs to be founded on love and service. When I pray for someone, it's out of love and service. When I listen to someone, it's out of love and service. When I offer encouragement, it's out of love and service. It's not out of strategic leadership or how I can get something from you. No, no, no. It's out of love and service. It's love expressing itself through servanthood. Not entitlement, not ladder climbing, but love expressing itself through servanthood. That heart attitude of servanthood. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 to 8, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, 
but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on cross. Don't you just love Jesus setting the standard of love and service and humility? And this is what spiritual maturity looks like. And it says in the start of John 13, our core scripture, that he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. I just love the way John puts that. He loved his disciples and then right away, He's washing their feet in an act of service. And these are the qualities of the spiritually mature. So if we engage in discipleship, if we pursue spiritual maturity, it's out of love for God, love for others. It expresses itself in service to those around me. Who are you serving today? Who are you planning to serve today? Are you serving anyone? Are you serving God? Are you serving others? Or are you serving yourself. The thing about having a heart of service is the truth is, is we all have opportunities to serve all around us. You know, when I mow the lawn, I'm serving my family. Uh, but it's about that heart attitude. You know, you can do a task and be like a hireling and be like, oh, I don't want to do this. Or you can do it out of selflessness. You know, the, the attitude of the heart is so, so important. And we have you know, seen Marie and I, as we've been church planning, it's interesting to me, uh, we've met with a lot of people and I'm not thinking of anyone specifically, so don't feel like I'm pointing at you, but we've met with people who have continued to join with us. We've met with people who don't want to join with us and that's okay. That's just part of the church planning journey. But it's amazing to me, the language of, of some Christians of, of, it's all about what they can get out of the church and not a heart of service towards the church. Now, I, I get it that when, you know, we we want to find a church that works for us and our family and what we believe and, and does it fit our vibe and style and culture and are we able to be planted in that? I get all that, but we got to be careful we don't lose the heart of a servant. And some questions to ask ourselves today, are we serving anyone today? Do we have opportunities to serve? You know, we're serving our community this Christmas by giving out food hampers, to 50 families. We're serving our community by putting on a Christmas film. It's not just for us to sit back and put our feet up. No, it's an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to express love through service. How, who can I assist on their journey to find Jesus today? Amen. So as we conclude this series, I want to encourage you that the peak of spiritual maturity, according to Jesus and what he has shown us, is love expressing itself through service. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for every person that has walked through this uh, journey with us and this series. And I pray for people today who want to mature in you. Help us have your attitude, Jesus. Help us be willing to serve. Help us be willing to lay down our entitlement and serve. First and foremost, serve you, God. We want to serve you. But help us uh, express love through service to those around us. 
Help us be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, just while we're on it, uh, there were some verses there we didn't read in John ch- uh, chapter 13, where Jesus, he goes to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter says, hey, you are not going to wash my feet, Jesus. And then Jesus says this really interesting thing in verse 8. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. That's what he says. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, not just my feet. And this is the amazing thing about Jesus is he wants to serve you today. Maybe you're watching and you're not a Christian or you've moved away from God. You you aren't following him and pursuing him. Let me just be honest with you up front. Jesus, he wants to wash you today. He wants to wash your sin away. He wants to wash your shame away. You will never find in any other religion in this world a God who takes off his entitlement to serve his people. Come on. This is amazing, amazing, amazing grace. Jesus wants to wash you today. And in a moment of believing in him, of putting your faith in the name of Jesus, he washes away your sin. And he serves you as a friend. He helps you. He enables you to live life filled with hope and love. You know, maybe you felt lonely during this lockdown period. Maybe you felt a sense of purposelessness. Well, you will find your purpose in God. Your purpose is to to know him, to walk with him every day. And he is a humble God. He is a serving God and he loves you. Come on. So if you want to make that decision today, I'm going to pray a prayer. The words are going to come up on the screen and you pray these words to Jesus as I pray them out loud. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer, head to our website. We would love to help you on that journey. Uh, We've been talking about it all through this series and all through today that the, the pursuing Jesus, growing in maturity, it requires the help of others. You need some climbing buddies. There are people in our church that would love to help you. I would love to help you. Maria would love to help you know Jesus more and more every day. And uh, well, everyone, church, I hope you have a blessed week. Looking forward to next week and, uh, and looking forward to our Christmas event coming up in a couple weeks. Come on, let's have a great week.